0: So it is recording and I'm just gonna let you know I have no idea what we're gonna talk about, so this is off off the cuff, off the heart. Well, why don't you introduce yourself first? Uh, my meat don't suit don't want to name do you disservice.
1: disservice. meat suit, suit yep. name. Yes. <laughs> yes my meat suits corpse. name
0: is conditioned to respond to the sound called Eric Gatzi. Fantastic. Um and I am obsessed with psychology and I like to do psychedelics and I talk a lot.
1: It's a pleasure to have you, man. Thank you for talking to me. This is great. Thank you for having me on, man. I know. I just met you like two days ago, so this is really cool for me. For sure. And, um, you know, I've already explained to you, but just for the sake of context of what Death Comes Lifting is about and who I am, you know, we're very into uh, dark arts, horror, heavy metal, and also health and wellness and positivity at the same time. Yeah. And I'm kind of interested in dissecting like the psychology of people that love like fucked up shit, like yeah. horror movies like me, you yeah. know, and, um. I've always been, I've never really been a, excuse me, depressed, sort of crazy, dark person, but I've always just, ever since I can remember, even as like a little kid, I remember my mom, like me asking my mom to please buy me that horror movie, like Mm -hmm. begging her, like I always craved that sort of part of me and I just kind of wonder what that is and the people that I know that are like that are always like more or less like very sweet passionate genuine human beings yeah and I'm just kind of interested in what you think like the fascination with that culture and shit is like psychologically and I know that's a lot to take on but for sure so
0: I feel like there are two things going on here and one is kind of the misfit archetype and then there's the the love of horror movie archetype and mm-hmm. i don't think that they're the same but i think okay. that they can overlap and um so because you're the person in front of me you're the one that i'm going to kind of use to make a lot of generalizations please do but so the misfit archetype feels like it is um so it. It has become a cliche, but it became a cliche because it's true in most cases, but a huge swath of our personality is influenced heavily by our relationship to our primary caretakers. And so that for most of us, that's mom and dad, or maybe it's an older brother or an older sister or a babysitter or a coach or whatever. And the misfit archetype kind of feels like there is a game being played and it's almost always like the family dynamic and the people who are like, the game itself is flawed the people trying to enforce the rules are hypocrites and i can see it Fuck the game that's kind of the vibe that feels like it's the essential disposition of if we're going to generalize what the misfit is it's like right um i don't respect the way the people who claim to be the leader of this game are playing the game so kind of like fuck y'all this is not working you know the truth um the thing about horror okay <clears throat> um this is not a judgment and be, and i'm aware that most people listening to this are going to be fans of horror so they might see this as a judgment or as an attack but i don't it's not either it truly is Uh, I just read I'm reading a book right now by a psychologist named Peter Levine and he's regarded as probably the top somatic trauma psychologist alive who speaks English and um, I just read a passage from him him, uh, yesterday that basically says people who seek extreme stimulus in any domain and this could be addictions this could be extreme sports and I think horror fits into that thing Mm -hmm. Um, at least a type of horror. You know, and it's it's to compensate for a lack of feeling in the body, and the lack of feeling is almost always a relation, or is almost always a consequence of dealing with a trauma, and I think a lot of people who don't uh, look, who who don't study psychology, think trauma equals either I was molested or raped or attacked by a tiger or something, and no, like something like eighty percent of people who have any type of invasive surgery have signs of PTSD afterwards. And there are technical reasons why that is that I could get into, but it's kind of a diatribe. But so if something happens early in life where the child is exposed to a really intense scene, like maybe like a dog is ran over and you're three and you, and you see the crushed body of the dog. And then you also see like, this is just one example. If the house, if the family dynamic is kind of just like bland, like I grew up in a family dynamic where um, my parents were so disconnected from each other that the the magic in the house was there was no magic. Like it just, it was really boring. But if there's a day where a dog dies and everyone in the fucking neighborhood is outside and they're finally connected and talking and buzzing, if you're a four-year-old, you're going to associate that death and that destruction with this really amazing feel of community, this is just one example of a thousand ways that this could unfold, and then um, you have an attraction towards the gruesome. You know, right. um, it could also be like, for example, um, if your mom really loves you, but she's overbearing, and like you, and and you recognize, oh, if I do gross things, she actually laughs, but also kind of gives me some space, and you might learn that at three, like. Babies are, children are so good at learning through observing the behavior of the parent. And so there might be a situation where mom is very loving but overbearing and you start to recognize, oh, if I say or do gruesome things, she has this really strong reaction, but she also fucking gets out of my like space, True. you know? Right. And then, so, you, so that might give you a positive association to horror or to the gruesome. Um, I think it really comes down to I think our natural unfolding if there is not unique conditioning experiences is our default mode is to not is, is to be repulsed or to to have an avoidance response to horror or gruesomeness. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> humans are incredibly adaptive, we're paying attention, and I think that there are experiences that happen early that create an association between this thing and horror. Now that's for one type of horror. And then there's the like, I'm an artist. And like, I recognize that there is a type of artist who resonates with me who makes this type of art. And then I go and I find it. Um, So I think that this is the first time I've ever thought about this out I love loud. It. That and was so fantastic. There's lots yeah. of, you know, very uh, broad brushstrokes. Sure. They're the broadest brushstrokes. Sure. But um, that would be my first like attempt.
1: That's pretty good. I, um, attempted to think about this the other night as to me personally and i told him a little bit about but why i think like on a deep level that i was always like kind of preconditioned to like horror was and i think i told you a little bit about this yesterday that i was brought up in a very no-nonsense very east coast very mm. like italian style kind of dysfunctional family like not the fuck up kind of attitude and i was always kind of like i'm kind of an artist like you know i don't really know what's going on kind of thing and horror movies provided me an environment that it was okay to be afraid like it's kind of like what they tell you to do hmm. you know and interesting so in your family you didn't feel like it was okay to to have fear right or to be like less than or so i always felt pressure i'm the oldest you know i'm surrounded by a lot of like women in my life that i kind of had to like help cut kind of like help and i always kind of had to be strong and like as a kid seeing somebody either get like dismembered on a on a movie or like a psychological horror like the shining mm-hmm. that you're like can't look away but your mind's like going a million places at once it gives you the environment that like It's okay to be like freaked out and not know what you're supposed to do and not be strong. Okay. Yeah. Do you think there's any merit to that?
0: For sure. For sure. So, the beautiful thing about a good conversation is it goes from the abstract to the specific. Right. And so, uh, that's your truth. So, for sure, that I think that that that's a really valid, um, interesting uh, way to look at it that. If you grew up in a family where you're the oldest and you're the man and you have to be the man before you've earned the right to be the man, you know, because we're fucking boys and we need like initiation rituals to become a man. But we're in a situation where we have to be the man for sisters and maybe mom, depending on what's going on. Yeah, uh, that's an unreasonable burden, and it might feel great to get into an opportunity where it's like, "Fuck, I have no responsibility.
1: I can be a kid." I can be afraid, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to go do that with this movie. And I think that goes hand in hand with like going to a death metal concert and jumping in the mosh pit. Like, completely irresponsible, ridiculous thing to do if For you sure. think about it, like break it down to like what it actually is. But like, that's so therapeutic.
0: For sure. And truly, t- you know, <clears throat> there are aspects of our nature that is not politically correct to talk about. But as someone who studies psychology, obsessively you know i'm going to bring it up but if you're in a family where there's lots of people depending on you and you're young there is a part of you that wants to kill them and wants to be like get the fuck away from me no for real right no for sure yeah and our ego operates in a way where it's like that is an unacceptable thought do not let that come into consciousness Mm -hmm. um But then, a cathartic way to move that violence and that aggression out of you mosh pits, intense horror movies, you know? Crazy music. Yeah. And like, it's actually (laughs) adaptively correct to if you have an overbearing parent, Mm. there is a psychological need for you to kill the parent. And Mm. I don't mean in the literal sense, I mean in a psychological sense. Right. We all have friends who are in their 30s. Who have not killed the idea of mom is all, always right or dad is the god or judge? They haven't killed their parents yet psychologically. They're still children, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that <clears throat> that fundamental psychological adaptive need can be expressed in, in in the mind as like dreams about killing like an old man, you know, mm-hmm. or like actually watching a movie where an, where a mom dies, you know, or like. Going into a mosh pit and wanting to get your face smashed so you can smash other people's faces too, you know. I like that And it. then you get to drive home and eat, you know, some
1: hamburgers. Yeah, or yeah it's a, no, it's real, dude. Yeah. And especially when you're an 18-year-old testosterone-driven individual, that I think completely like throws your psyche for like throws a wrench in your gears or whatever, and kind of amps you up. But um, I wanted to bring up. You've seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Mm -hmm. right? And we were just at the uh, gas station yesterday, so it was kind of appropriate to bring this up. But um, I don't know how familiar you are with the film. I've seen it a million times. It's one of my favorites. But most people see that as a movie about a uh, a group of people getting butchered on the side of the highway. I see that as a movie about family dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And the uh, cannibalistic sort of chainsaw-wielding psychos are a strong community, like they're a family. But there's kind of inexplicably no woman in the family it's a male dominated household Mm -hmm. and um Leatherface is kind of like the um forgive the politically incorrect term but like retard brother right Mm -hmm. and they kind of he's kind of like he puts on these different faces he has different masks throughout the film and one of them is like he has makeup on so he's like a woman and that's when he's making dinner Right. And he kind of like becomes roles that he's not really even meant to be. I don't think he even knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's killing people because he even wants to. He just is like these people are coming out of nowhere and he's protecting his household. Mm -hmm. And then these like kind of like militant father figures are kind of like bossing each other around and like freaking each other out. And that always spoke to me in a way that like no other horror film did. Yeah. And I think like a lot of that, like that's very meaningful to, and speaks to um, like how real family dysfunction is. And it's kind of brought out in like an artistic sort of way, you know what I mean?
0: Uh, Have you listened to my podcast?
1: No. Okay. So this is so interesting. No. (laughs) So
0: like the whole premise of my podcast basically is to find the person's most resonating story that's almost always um, a movie and then basically using that to psychoanalyze the story of their life that they tell themselves about who they are and about what they think the world is and so we're basically there.
1: We're basically there. Um, So there's a couple of
0: things there that's really interesting. One is the thing that Leatherface embodies is a psychological truth that scares a lot of people and most people ignore. Mm -hmm. And it's that uh, you have multiple parts inside of you. You are not a single thing. There's a great quote by a mystic named Gurdjieff, which is, um, man is not I, man is legion. And it's this idea that there are at least at the very least like 50 different characters inside of you and all of them are competing and talking to each other. And then you create, you have an illusion that there's a single self that is kind of like the thing that interfaces with your meat suit and makes your choices for you. So what's really cool is that Leatherface embodies this idea that there's multiple parts of you. You know, like the person you are with your lover is not the person you are when you're talking to your mom. You know, mm-hmm. like that's kind of a fundamental example. Or The person you are at work or the person you are when you're doing your art on stage is not the same person that you are when you just get out of the shower and you're naked, unless you do a specific type of art, then, Hey, you know, good for you. But we have parts truth. Um, so I'm going to ask some questions based off of how you described that movie. Um, were you said that you didn't grow up with almost any men in your family,
1: right? Uh, my parents were divorced in early age, so I grew up in a household full of women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what is it that you think resonates with the f- okay, so i guess what do you think the movie is saying about dysfunctional families with it being all men
1: in the house i don't think i know really and i always th- maybe thought maybe i was attracted to that because i don't know what that's really like
0: interesting or- like that is the opposite of your experience
1: right or just when i'm hanging out with like kind of my boys and that mm-hmm. like craziness level in your brain kind of amps up when it's just like, you know, you're three dudes and it's way different from if you're like around your mom and your sister or just three different girls. Yeah. I, I think
0: I heard a joke. It was either from a comedian or it was from a fucking, it was either a comedian or a philosopher, which is a great, uh, joke there. But yeah, they said that the most dangerous group of people are, are about our teenagers who are male, in a group and there's and and there is nothing for them to do
1: it's louis ck okay most dangerous dudes are a group of dudes looking for pussy and there's no pussy
0: yeah truth and so there's this um so a type of adolescent man and again this is not a judgment this is just kind of like clinical speech but um there is a really strong urge for an adolescent man to earn the respect of other adolescent men because it it basically makes him feel more like a man it, it makes him feel like okay i'm worthy I, I deserve to be here i'm strong right and so when there's a group of three or four or five dudes and that part of you comes out that really wants to get the respect of the dudes that you're with, there's this amplification of like, I'm gonna do this. Well, I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do this. Right.
1: And then it can quickly escalate you know, to breaking the law. Having a woman tied up at your dinner table. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's interesting. And that, yeah, I I feel like that's actually like the, the scariest part of that movie is like the psychology between like the family and like the dudes yeah. and like kind of let's just like going crazy and that is very easily seen in everyday life you know like leatherface with a chainsaw is not but like that is everywhere for sure that's in public office that's you know that's fucking you know for that's sure. what, like kind of like the root of all evil well maybe not all evil but it's a one of the amount of it yeah yeah it's one I, of them
0: i truly think that the most effective way that we can improve the world is to become fit to be parents that Give the least amount of trauma to their children because it's the family unit that I think will is where most of the change I think will come. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not from the laws, it's not from the politics, it's not from screaming on social media. I think it's how heroic can you be in your family, you know, and I think being heroic in the family is basically how courageous can you be with having tough conversations where you say the truth with love. And I think, like, there's a great story about. This psychiatrist who studied schizophrenia, basically, I'll give you you know the the super Cliff Note version. Mm -hmm. He found that if he trained everyone in the hospital that he worked at to treat schizophrenics like they were people, to be completely honest, you know, and like to it, there was no excuse. You cannot lie to the patient, Um, and then just talk to them like they're people. That people with schizophrenia would come to this hospital this was like the only hospital in the western world that would see basically the remission of all symptoms of schizophrenia would go away after like maybe six months and then when they would be released they would go back to where they came from the schizophrenia would come back our current understanding of schizophrenia is that it's not curable and that it's basically biological and uh, we we just kind of don't know what's going on what this psych I, I wish i could remember his name and i probably should go find it because i keep telling this story and i don't know his name but Cool. What he found was that it is the dysfunction of the family that if you're predisposed to having schizophrenia, that brings it out. And what basically the the fundamental thing that's happening in a dysfunctional family is that lies are being told. Period. Right. Like the dysfunction of a family absolves if every... Person in the family unit is courageously telling the truth with love to everybody else in the unit. Like it basically comes down to, are we lying? And are we not talking about shit that we know we need to talk about? And if the answer is yes, you know, or if if you have dysfunction is probably the answer to that question is yes.
1: That hits home in a lot of ways. How do you think that can be applied to children? Like, you know, we kind of like, since children are born, like even if it's something as stupid as Santa Claus, we lie to them. Right. We like kind of make people we make them believe right, that, sure. that, that, that that's real just because society says like if yeah. you don't, you're like, like that's fucked up. Um, do you think we should. And the, I mean, it's always been my approach. Maybe mm-hmm. because I didn't know any better when I was like a kid, like kind of raising my sisters, and I work with kids a lot. But I talk to them like they're you. I talk to them sure. like they're Wyatt right. and like they're people, and I listen to them. And I, you know, sometimes I swear or something, you know, just like I talk to anybody, fucking sure. else. And I think like that resonates and that hits super hard. I, I completely agree. But is there times like um, that you think that maybe we should we should lie to kids a little bit? So
0: the the. I think the honest answer is currently I do not have children, so I am completely naive. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I say is based off of what I think it would be like to be a parent. And the okay. truth is, is I, I have no idea. Yeah. But the way that I'm going to approach it, at least from this vantage point that is very naive, is that when it, I'm not going to lie to them. Mm-hmm. I, I will not lie to them. But what that means is that Um, I have to go out of my way to figure out how I'm going to explain things. And so for example, like if it comes to Santa Claus, it might be like, uh, by the time that they're able to ask me what Santa Claus is, we will have already talked about like what culture is and like what is going on to the best of my ability to explain it. And I will talk to them like I'm talking right now, you know?
1: That's great. And
0: I will try to explain to them like, so, you know, we tell ourselves stories because we have no idea what's going on. And one of the stories that our culture loves to tell ourselves is when it starts to get snowy and it gets cold, we put a tree up. And um, if you're good, there's this thing that's watching you and that if it sees that you've been good, it it will see to it that you get presents. And the way that they explain this force is it's an old white man who is overweight and he comes through the chimney.
1: Breaks into your home when right. you're sleeping. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: and like, um, so because I really think that there is a pragmatic and psychological, um, purpose to the story like Santa Claus, I'll try to explain it to them a little, like it's a myth and I'm excited to tell them and that, uh, you know, that they can expect presence, basically, you know? Mm. But like, here's the way that I think about it. Um, your child is your, I might start crying. Okay. let's y- go. Your child is your opportunity to have the cleanest relationship with the human that you are ever able to have. Everyone you meet who is already a person, they've been lied to so much, you know? Right. And you can do your best to have a clean relationship with them from the moment you meet them, but they may have most, probably everyone on the planet, like maybe 99.99% of people do not know what it's like to have a relationship with anyone where it's entirely devoid of lies, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that the therapeutic potential that that could have on a person is um, unspeakable. And so that is the challenge that I'm going to pick up when I have a child is to try to give that, that human a relationship that is devoid of lies, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'll probably fail, but I'm going to try.
1: That's what I try to do too. So that's pretty validating for me to hear. Like, um, I, I think of my sisters kind of as my kids since I kind of right. helped raise them. And I,
0: I have a sister that basically I raised who's 10 years younger than me. And this is yeah. where I kind of got inspired by that.
1: That's awesome. I didn't know that. So me yeah. too. So we have that thing in common, but like, it's kind of also like a fail safe that if, like if I fuck up that they're not really my kids, it's my sister, <laughs> <laughs> you, know what I, yeah. you know what I mean? But, uh, I think that that's beautiful, man. And I, th- I think, um, I think like our generation uh, is more privy to that than, the la- obviously than the last For one sure. and I think that that is important and um, maybe that speaks to me since I feel like I was lied to so much as a kid and like sure. there was so much deceit and there was so much kind of like behind the scenes that I wasn't made aware of even though I was put in this position to be like you know, a man but I don't know like what's going on it's kind of fucked up I suck truth suck up my own truth in uh, horror movies and death metal because they were saying the blatant truth and they For were sure. pulling no punches. Like like there's a yeah. reason why I was attracted to uh, cannibal corpse talking about like necrophilia and like explaining that in all of its gruesome detail yeah. because these motherfuckers aren't lying to me.
0: Right. And I also think that that's the appeal of comedians. Like a really good comedian is yeah. someone who is saying the truth in a way that nobody else around you is saying the truth. And it's why I'm so attracted to good comedy. It's like yeah. these are people telling the truth you know the whole truth and right. nothing but the truth yeah you know cuz the thing about life is that it's right. it's uh it's equal parts light and darkness and it's the darkness that people will not talk about mm. and there and if you experience the darkness and then everyone around you won't talk about it you're like you motherfuckers are lying this is a part of life you True. know and so i think that there's all these underground cultures which are basically people who are willing to be in the dark mm-hmm. you know like in in the dark part of human nature because basically every necrophilia is something that every single human has in them period like it is a part of the human condition but it's such a thing that 99 percent of people won't talk about or think about or even entertain the
1: thought right. of. right
0: and so then it's put into the darkness you mm-hmm. know but
1: uh the truth is true whether or not the light is on you know right do you think that's why a lot of people in like the uh, heavy metal communities are so like kind of happy and passionate because that's that's therapy that's like a therapeutic experience for them that would be a really good hypothesis
0: for sure i i think your contentment contentment with life is directly proportional to the percentage that you are
1: honest with yourself and other people so that would be a good solid guess. Theory. yeah well well that's my best guess and that's the uh, man this has been pretty eye-opening for me too because i think you hit home on some points that <laughs> i didn't even know i had in my psyche you know what i mean yeah but that's great so i appreciate it man thank you thank you dude it's absolutely awesome. brother. love you man, love you, man. absolutely thanks